Hello, and welcome to Filled with His Love. This episode will be a little different than other episodes in this podcast. The topic, pure testimony, as we read the account of Paul in the 26th chapter of Acts, when Paul was trying to convert King Agrippa. I can't think of a more important topic. We all need to gain a testimony of the truth, and that witness rests primarily on the quality of our attachment to God. If we have a healthy, enduring attachment to God, the Holy Ghost will testify of the truthfulness of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. So, while in other episodes you hear a lot of my words, I'm going to quote others in this episode, primarily those we sustain as special witnesses. But as an intro to those quotes, I want to share an excerpt from a BYU devotional address by Richard Williams entitled, Faith, Reason, Knowledge, and Truth. If you know someone who is struggling to gain a testimony, or who is having some type of faith crisis, I strongly recommend his talk. So often, those who leave the church talk their way out of believing. They use simple logic to justify their loss of faith, but logic and reason are not the ways to gain a pure testimony. It can come only through the Spirit, and that happens only when we feel close to the Lord when our attachment is strong and sure. So here's the excerpt from Richard Williams' devotional address. Quote, The truth of the restored gospel does not rest on reason. We do not draw our authority, our identity, or our mission from any set of propositions or from any interpretation of doctrine. We do not draw upon theology at all as justification for our truth claims. It's an important sentence. Listen to that again. We do not draw upon theology at all as justification for our truth claims. The truth of the restored gospel rests on the occurrence of certain events. Chief among the founding events are these. The Father and the Son either appeared to Joseph Smith in New York or they did not. There either were gold plates holding a history of real people, or there were not. Apostles and prophets laid hands on Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery, or they did not. We can go beyond this. The truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ itself rests on the occurrence of events. There was a man, Jesus, or there was not. He overcame the whole of sin and darkness in the garden, or he did not. The tomb was empty, or it was not. The truth of an event is very different from the truth of a proposition. The truth of propositions is established by reason and argument, the difficulty of which I have just described. The truth of events is established by witnesses. Because of the restoration of the true gospel, we are blessed with an abundance of witnesses. This is why the apostolic authority of special witnesses and the restoration of the gifts of the Spirit are essential to the true church. Scriptures also witness of these things. And we Latter-day Saints have an embarrassment of riches where Scripture is concerned. In this context, faith is not what we cling to when we do not know truth. Faith is the knowledge of truth nourished by good acts. I want to read that sentence again. Faith is not what we cling to when we do not know truth. Faith is the knowledge of truth nourished by good acts. It is strengthened by witnesses capable of penetrating our very souls and culminates in the palpable fruits 
of sure and certain experience. I just can't say enough about how much I like that intro to what we're talking about with pure testimony. You remember in Acts 26, King it says this, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. This is the famous line, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day, were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. In other words, Paul was saying, I'm not only bearing testimony to you, I want everyone to know that I am a witness of the Son of God and His mission on this earth. It's so powerful. Now, we also have the testimony of the prophet Joseph Smith, and he refers back to Paul's encounter with King Agrippa in the 24th and 25th verses of the Joseph Smith history. This is what we read. However, it was nevertheless a fact that I had beheld a vision. I have thought since that I felt much like Paul when he made his defense before King Agrippa and related the account of the vision he had when he saw a light and heard a voice. But still there were but few who believed him. Some said he was dishonest. Others said he was mad. And he was ridiculed and reviled. But all this did not destroy the reality of his vision. He had seen a vision, he knew he had, and all the persecution under heaven could not make it otherwise. And though they should persecute him unto death, yet he knew, and would know to his latest breath, that he had both seen a light and heard a voice speaking unto him, and all the world could not make him think or believe otherwise. Joseph goes on to say, So it was with me. I had actually seen a light, and in the midst of that light I saw two personages, and they did in reality speak to me. And though I was hated and persecuted for saying that I had seen a vision, yet it was true. And while they were persecuting me, reviling me, and speaking all manner of evil against me falsely for so saying, I was led to say in my heart, Why persecute me for telling the truth? I have actually seen a vision, and who am I that I can withstand God? Or why does the world think to make me deny what I have actually seen? For I had seen a vision, I knew it, and I knew that God knew it, and I could not deny it, neither dared I do it. At least I knew that by so doing, I would offend God and come under condemnation. This is such a powerful witness from the prophet Joseph. He knew that he had seen God, and he knew that God knew it. This is not by logic or reasoning. This is a spiritually manifest truth. Now, of course, he translated the Book of Mormon, and we have special witnesses who testify of the truthfulness of the Book of Mormon. I gained great strength from President Hinckley's witness of the Book of Mormon. He bore witness so many times. This excerpt is from a talk he gave in Maryland. He says, Believe in the Book of Mormon as another witness of the Son of God, 
This book has come forth as an added testimony to the world of the great truths concerning the Master as set forth in the Bible. The Bible is the testament of the Old World. The Book of Mormon is the testament of the New World, and they go hand in hand in testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't understand why those of other faiths cannot accept the Book of Mormon. This is an interesting statement. Here's President Hinckley saying, why would you not accept this? One would think, going on in his quote, one would think that they would be looking for additional witnesses to the great and solemn truths of the Bible. We have that witness, my brothers and sisters, this marvelous book of inspiration which affirms the validity and the truth of the divine nature of the Son of God. God be thanked for this precious and wonderful testimony. Let us read it. Let us dwell upon its truths. Let us learn its message and be blessed accordingly. Ah, such a powerful testimony from President Hinckley about the truth of the Book of Mormon. While I was reading that, I had to think of a billboard that we used to see when we were serving as mission leaders in the Dakotas. It was a very large billboard and obviously a message against our church. It said something like, The Bible is all we need to get to the promised land. Meaning that we don't need the Book of Mormon. They were afraid of us and our missionary work. Now, here's a quote from Marion G. Romney. I remember hearing him say this so, so many years ago. And it's always stuck with me as a wonderful witness. He said, I know that the prophet Joseph Smith was a prophet of God. I know he saw God, the Eternal Father, and his Son, Jesus Christ, as he says he did. I was not there, but I have read his account many, many, many times. Three many's. This is a lot. From his account, I get in my mind a mental picture. But I did not get my knowledge that he had the vision from that source. I received it from the whisperings of the Holy Spirit, and I have had those whisperings in my mind, the same as Enos had when he said, The voice of the Lord came into my mind. This goes so well with what Richard Williams said. He did not get his witness from logic and reasoning and words. He got his witness through the Spirit, just as Enos did. Now, we are all likely familiar with Elder Bruce R. McConkie's final testimony. At the very end of his last talk, before he died from cancer, he said this, with a trembling in his voice, he concluded, quote, And now, as pertaining to this perfect atonement, wrought by the shedding of the blood of God, I testify that it took place in Gethsemane and at Golgotha, and as pertaining to Jesus Christ, I testify that he is the Son of the living God and was crucified for the sins of the world. He is our Lord, our God, and our King. This I know of myself, independent of any other person. I am one of his witnesses, and in a coming day, I shall feel the nail marks in his hands and in his feet, and shall wet his feet with my tears. But I shall not know any better then than I know now that he is God's Almighty Son, that he is our Savior and Redeemer, and that salvation comes 
in and through his atoning blood and in no other way, end quote. His testimony, like my testimony, is based on spiritual knowledge, spiritual witness. It is not based on reason and logic, but it comes directly from God, as Elder Romney explained, because God can speak to our minds. I bear witness of that myself in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I hope if there's somebody in your circle who is struggling with their own faith, I hope they will refocus their efforts. And instead of talking their way out of the church or reasoning their way out of the church, they will open themselves to spiritual promptings and to the testimony of witnesses that we now have. That's one reason it's so important to have living witnesses on the earth, so that we can gain strength from their witness as those who have been anointed and ordained and chosen by God to lead us in these latter days. I hope this is helpful, and we will see you next time.